Hi, this is Amy Taylor-Cabaz and you're listening to the Primal Alternative Podcast. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, Thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. So this is an episode dedicated to all you mamas out there and I think if you're anything like me after this episode, you're just going to go, wow, that explains a lot of shiz. In the episode today, I am speaking to Amy taylor Kabats, who is just phenomenal. If as a mother you have ever felt that motherhood isn't enough for you or you've just felt a sudden disconnect with that career that you've been in for the last decade or so, then this is what has happened to you. It's a thing called matrescence and Amy's going to talk to us about what matrescence is. It's a thing and how it changes our understanding of what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother. Amy's going to share her own journey as a woman and how finding this definition of matrescence has changed everything for her. We're going to talk about the maternal wall and the glass ceiling. And we are going to um, talk about the fact that she's supported more than 4,000 women online and in person and that there is one key understanding that we all need to know about matrescence and motherhood. And basically, it's all about returning to the feminine and redefining ourselves, which all sounds beautiful, but how the heck do we do it? And how does it look in our lives? Well, that is what we're going to unpack in today's show. Now, Amy's a writer, a producer, speaker, and mother to three young children. And after more than a decade covering breaking news and current affairs for the ABC around the country, her traditional career took an unexpected turn when she found herself lost, overwhelmed, and diagnosed with a thyroid condition after the birth of her first daughter. Uh, 12 years later and two more babies later, she's now a best-selling author, the host of the Happy Mama Movement podcast with more than 200,000 downloads. That's pretty good. She runs numerous online programs for mothers all over the world is an international award-winning coach, sub-editor of Mama Disrupt magazine, and expert contributor to Mindful Parenting magazine, and the creator of the number one iTunes meditation for children, Bedtime Explorers. Her latest book, Mama Rising, was released by Hay House in Australia and New Zealand in December 2019, and will be released, or has been released internationally, this month in March 2020. Incredible. You can go and find out more about Amy on Instagram as Amy Taylor Kabaz, which is Amy, A-M-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R-K-A-B-B-A-Z. 
and on Facebook as well. And her website with the same name. All of the links are in the show notes and I would love you to go and check Amy out and get a copy of her book. Oh, it's incredible. I am so literally buzzing from head to toe having spoken to Amy to finally put a word on a transitional part of my life that I just thought was just me. (laughs) It was just happening just to me. And let's face it, whether it's to do with parenting or our health or our marriage or anything, we always just think, oh, that's just happening to me. And we self-silence, which is something we're going to explore in this episode as well. So I I feel very blessed to have had a beautiful home birth with my first child, Sam, who's coming up 13 this year. And um, as a very kind of like last minute, I'm scared of hospitals thing, ended up having a home birth and connecting with my incredible midwife, Mary Murphy, who really is the Rolls Royce of midwives. She is amazing. And I only found her when I was in week 23 of pregnancy. So it was kind of last minute and I feel so blessed. She is one of the women who has changed the course of my direction of my entire life. And she changed it when she said to me, when she left me there after I'd given birth to this beautiful, healthy baby boy, she said to me, don't worry about this baby unless he's going blue in the face. And what I want you to do is just to ask yourself, what would they do in the cave? What would they do in the cave? That was her perfect advice of how to bring up a kid. And I refer to it all that, never mind, what would Madonna do? No, no, no what would they do in the cave? And it really sparked that. I don't know. I, I really look at that as the start of my primal journey, like motherhood. And I've got to tell you that tr- that transition from maiden to mother, like I'm so lucky that that was described to me you know, in, the, in the books. My midwife was saying, watch this home birth video, read this book. Um, Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. Like it was just, oh, I just immersed myself in everything positive and empowering about home birth. And I spoke only to women who'd had successful births and really kind of channeled the energies of all the women before me who'd birthed. Because if you look at all the heads out there, there's lots of birthing that's gone on. Lots of everybody's been born. So it can't be that hard, you know? And my transition to motherhood. Um, just it changed everything. Like I just really felt like I went from a two-dimensional uh, reality to a three-dimensional reality, and it, it affected my marriage in the same way. It was something that my husband and I—he was there holding me, supporting me during the birth—and it's such a wonderful experience, so empowering. And that my kind of like remaining thought after that was like, "Holy crap! If I can do that, what else is possible?" It was really that profound, which was great. And he was great and life was wonderful. But there I was on maternity leave, absolutely dreading and counting down the months of having to go back to my corporate job in the city, taking my kid off to daycare, no judgment on daycare, but it just didn't feel right for me. And we didn't have any family nearby that could look after Sam. Um, So after I went back, I think I lasted about uh, six months. I quit my corporate career. I don't know how we survived during those years because my husband was um, doing a carpentry apprenticeship. I think he was earning about 700 bucks a week. We had a massive mortgage. Uh, I ditched the corporate salary and literally just scrabbled around doing whatever I could to make ends meet from babysitting, teaching yoga, doing massage, 
delivering leaflets, that was the worst, was really hard just to make ends meet because I'd, I'd hit this maternal wall where looking after Sam and being together as a family was more important than anything else. It was incredible. And then how that whole evolvement, you know, then it started to, to reach out into other areas of my life where it was like, well, I don't want to live in suburbia. Let's move to the country. And to be honest with you, when we moved down to the country, six hours away from the nearest capital city, I thought, well, that's it. I guess I'm kissing goodbye to any kind of career because there is no jobs like that, you know, like I'd had in my corporate career down here. And then, you know, you just went to, I guess when you surrender and start to follow your intuition, anything is possible. Oh my goodness. And now look, I've got this amazing international business. I've never felt more fulfilled in my life and it's all done online. So I don't need to be in the city it's all worked around school hours. I take all of the school holidays off. I'm here when the kids get home from the school bus and I'm there for the school social and the cross country and the assemblies, most of them. <laughs> it was them anyway. I'm not that amazing. But the best exciting thing is that I haven't just kept all of this to myself. I've shared my business blueprint with other women who I've also had that experience and it might not, they might not be necessarily be mums, but they've also had that experience where they suddenly shift to a more community focus and they want to start their own business on their own terms and start off as slowly as they want to and build up. Or maybe they want to smash it out of the park and just go straight into it. But that's what the Primalista license does. Um, and with my food range, Primal Alternative, we make grain-free easy. We make breads, cookies, pizzas, wraps, bagels, pancakes, you name it, anything that you want to get pleasure from, but you don't want to compromise on crappy ingredients. You want to have nutrient-dense, the best powerhouse of foods you could possibly eat, disguised as all of your favorite foods. (laughs) Then check out Primal Alternative at primalalternative.com. And if you're a mama or just a woman or somebody who loves to bake, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I did not know that this kind of business model existed, then please check out the Primalista license because as far as I know, nothing like this exists. Um, And I really feel that, you know, having spoken to Amy, that what I'm doing with this model is really disrupting the traditional way that women have had to work before, which means leaving the house. I just hear from so many people. I just want to be home. I want to stay home. I want to be home. I don't want to leave the house from eight a.m. till 6 p.m. every day and then come home and do all the things. After that, I want to stay at home and weave my, you know, my work around everything else that I do, whether it's your gym class or your Pilates or your um, gardening that you want to do or walking the dog or being there for the kids, making a beautiful home-cooked, slow-cooked dinner on the table that night, you know. I really think that... um, the patriarchal model of success doesn't apply to women now. It doesn't. And I think a lot of us have got on this health journey bandwagon because of <laughs> because of it. And I have to say that during this episode, I do get really fired up. So if you're listening to it with little ones around, um, please wear headphones because there is a part in the episode, probably about two thirds in where I do drop a couple of F-bombs. 
So just to give you the heads up, sorry, ma'am, and I tried to stop swearing on the podcasts, uh, but there is a couple of F-bombs in here, so please forgive me. All right, and that... <laughs> sorry, ma'am. Without further ado, let's get into the show, and oh my goodness, you're going to love this one. Amy, let's start with what you had for breakfast. I am a liquid girl in the mornings. I find it... Uh, there's too much going on in my house with three kids in the morning. So I always start with a smoothie, which is just coconut water, banana, avocado, baby spinach, a bit of cacao powder, all blended up. And I just sip that all the way through. And then once all the kids are dropped off, I come home and have like a big cooked breakfast. So it's a two-stage process in my household. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. So what would you have for your second breakfast? Because see if you have two, we need to know what you have in both of your breakfasts. Oh, <laughs> um, I was told many years ago that my body type doesn't like cold foods, that I really need to be eating more warm food. So I usually do an egg and whatever veggies I have in the fridge, usually mushroom, zucchini, tomato, and um, put it all on a big plate once it's all cooked. And I am obsessed with a big dollop of hummus over the top. Mm. Yeah, it does kind of draw it all together, doesn't it? I think that the extra little bits that you put on can, you know, like you said, I had some ducker on top of mine and a little bit of, um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like a, it's like an Indian kasundi. I had a bit of kasundi oh. on top. And it just brings it all together and it just like makes it a little bit different. So yum. That sounds very yes. delicious. Very delicious. Now Thank I am. You. It's taken me a long time. It's, sorry, it's taken me a long time to get that routine right. I was trying to eat the wrong, you know, rush foods in the morning. So I feel like I've finally landed on a system that works for me. <laughs> and that's what it's all about, isn't it, Amy? It's about finding out what works for you and and your schedule and you know the kids. And I, I'm I'm the same as you. I find. First thing on a morning when the kids are getting out the door, it's really is about nourishing them. And I'm not really in the mood for food <laughs> until they've gone no, and you can kind of like exhale. Your, ah, okay. <laughs> now it's my turn. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Now I'm so like more, I'm always excited to talk to my guests, right? But I'm more excited than ever to talk to you, Amy, because we're going to be talking today about motherhood. And what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother? And the thing that I'm so excited about is because this is so close to my heart and very, the very essence of primal living um, you know, is, is to trust our intuition and reconnect back to um, you know, our inner guidance and, and knowing the, the different, um, I guess, rites of passage or different transitions that women go through in their lifetime, but yet we don't really seem to talk about it very much. And I'd never heard of this word matrescence. How do you actually say it? Matrescence? That's right. Did I get it it's right? It's a bit sort of shorter at the, at the beginning. Matrescence. 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 So That's right. let's start with what matrescence actually is and how does it change our understanding of what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother? Absolutely. Matrescence was a word coined by a phenomenal anthropologist and a woman completely dedicated to understanding what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother in the 1970s by the name of Dana Raphael. 
anybody who's listening who has ever dived into the work of midwifery or doula or post-birth support will know Dana Raphael. She is a goddess in this area. She actually coined the term doula. She began to see that we were not understanding what happened to a woman when she became a mother, that the whole system had swung so far into the medical focus of making sure that the woman survived, of course, but also really focusing on the baby. And in the room during childbirth, there was no advocate for the mother. There was no one standing there and making sure she was okay with this transition. And so back at this time, she coined two phrases, two ideas. One was doula, which most of us all know now, and the other at the same time was matrescence. Matrescence was what she said was this transition into becoming a mother, that when you give birth, you are not automatically a mother. It is a process of becoming. It is a process of massive identity shift, and it is a process of almost dying and becoming anew. And what I mean by that is, Matrescence is like adolescence. This is a a period of transition where if you look at adolescence, you go from child to adult. You don't wake up when you're 13 and suddenly you're a complete adult. It is this massive process we now understand. It affects your hormones, your physical health, but also it affects your opinions, how you view the world, what you're passionate about. You think of a teenager, they almost write of passage is to rebel against everything they were told. There is a real process of trying to figure out who am I now before they land at adulthood. And this is what matrescence is as well. It's this period of massive identity shift. It changes our brain structure. Neurological studies have found that our brain actually changes in those early days of motherhood. We have this um, physical change, of course, that we all know if you're a mother, you'll know the physical changes that you go through, hormonal changes, emotional changes, but also your socioeconomic standing, your view of what you did before having a baby and how you feel about that now, every single one of your relationships, your financial standing, everything changes and continues to change as you become a mother. And unfortunately, this word never took off all these years ago. Doula did, matrescence didn't. It was buried in academic literature, was never really brought to the forefront. It was almost dismissed as, oh, yeah, whatever. But until my now my teacher and another amazing anthropologist at Columbia University in New York asked the same question again, And the question that I've been asking myself for a decade, what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother? And in her research, kind of excavated this word matrescence. And she was the one who compared it to adolescence. Her name for anyone who wants to look it up is Dr. Aurelie Athen. And with that understanding, it's now, it's time has finally come. It's like the world has finally thought, oh, okay, I think you're onto something there. And so this is what I'm now completely passionate about is making sure that 
the word matrescence becomes as common as an understanding as adolescence. And we can completely change the way we feel about ourselves as mummers and also how we support, excuse me, and how we support mummers. Oh, you've described that so perfectly. And, and what a relief. It's almost like, oh, thank goodness. Like there, there was a big change. It's, it didn't just feel like it, it happened to me. And I don't know, it, it just feels so comforting and reassuring that people like you are out in the world and making sure that everybody knows about this change. And, and I guess it, as part of that work then supports women through that transition. And, and instead of this, you know, patriarchal world that we're in where we're most of us working in a corporate career you know and and earning as much or if not more than our partners and then we find ourselves pregnant and then like you say it's not just a case of growing a baby and physically birthing it but all of the other things that happen and we all know like I don't know it's almost like your whole world changes and your your values your values change you know working yes. 10 hours a day in the city in a high-rise office suddenly becomes not desirable at all. And you want to have a different, there's so many different, there's so many different um, strands to this that I can't wait to unpack. But I think before we go any further, <laughs> I'd love to understand your journey a little bit more, Amy, and, and how finding this, def, this definition of mat- matrescence, I'm going to be able to nail it, matrescence, well, I'm going to nail it by the end <laughs> of the conversation, how that's changed everything for you. Well, I was almost case study number one, not really, but I was the perfect case study for what happens when we don't teach women about matrescence, when we miss this beautiful, divine opportunity to acknowledge that you are changing, that you're not who you used to be, but who you're becoming is going to be even better than before. Because I didn't know this, My eldest daughter is now 12. So 12 years ago, when I became pregnant, I was a super ambitious, determined journalist. I grew up wanting to be a foreign correspondent, wanting to be on the front line. I had an enormous ambition to change the world through storytelling. I did a graduate degree in international politics and went straight into the ABC was working my way up uh, through the ABC. And by the time I was um, married and having my first baby, I was senior producer in ABC Radio and I was really focused. I was that generation of women that so many of us are that was told I could do anything and truly believed that, believed that if I worked hard enough, I could get to the top of the ladder and do everything that I'd dreamed of since I was a little girl. And so when motherhood came along and what I now know, matrescence began, I was so unsettled on a soul level by the changes that I was feeling. I did not understand how I had changed and why I was changing. Coupled with that, my eldest daughter was born very unhappy. She uh, had uh, developmental problems inside my womb where she was very squished so one side of her face and neck none of the muscles and even her jawbone hadn't developed properly so she couldn't turn her head to the right when she was born 
But this was because if you remember back to newborn days, they're very squishy anyway. They're kind of all curled up in a ball and they don't really stretch out anyway. So this wasn't picked up for three days. And for three days, the midwives in the hospital system would come in, grab my new baby, grab my newly engorged breast and turn her head and force her onto my breast and she would turn blue with screaming. And when you don't realise why that's happening and when you are completely unsettled by a traumatic birth and when you are not told what's going to happen to you as a woman, this is soul level (laughs) crumbling. I really felt like I was failing. My baby had rejected me. I was officially diagnosed. She was officially diagnosed by day five with severe breast rejection. So I can imagine what that would feel like for a first-time mother. They actually, mostly, they actually have that phrase, breast rejection. Is that right? They have that phrase, Helen. They actually, and it's in her medical records. Oh, it makes me want breast to cry. Rejection. Breast rejection. That's like basically you might as well just exchange the word breast for mother because that's how you would feel, right? That's exactly how I felt. And it's still, even 12 years later, it still brings emotion back because the thing that I'm so, you know, it's so obvious to me now why I do the work I do because I was so broken by that. But mostly, Helen, because I had every time, everything in my life up until then, I'd figured out through hard work, through climbing the ladder through research, through asking the right questions. I just had this core sense of self that I could do anything. And within a matter of days of motherhood, I'd been rejected. And it just started me on this really enormous path of trying to understand where did I go? How does this change me? How do I do this? I talk about in my work now that... I believe what happens when we give birth is we have this inner split. At that exact moment, we become two. We are both who we used to be, ready to chase that dream, want to be ambitious, have this life, and yet at exactly the same time we split and the other part of us wants to give it all up to make sure our baby's okay. And I found that inner split very, very difficult. So what did you do? What, like, so here you are in the hospital, you know, your baby's giving you breast rejection and you've, you've, you're experiencing this inner split. Talk us through how that's then transformed your life. Yes. Well, because I didn't know what was going on, I just pushed it down and went back to trying to be superwoman. And this is what happens when we don't have this primal understanding, which is what you do in all your podcast episodes, this primal understanding of the transitions of womanhood, that because nobody had said to me, it's okay, you don't know who you are anymore, you're new, you've just been born too. Because no one said that to me, I pushed that down and just got on with it. I went back to work. I tried to prove to everybody at work that I was still the kick-ass journalist I used to be as well as trying to figure out how to be the best mum I could be with Scarlett, her name is. What I now understand through all of my research and everything I've done 
over the years is that in feminist literature, this is called self-silencing, that when women do not know what's happening to them, they think it's only them that is experiencing it because we don't have a language around matrescence, because we don't talk about the fact that you will go through a grieving process of who you used to be, that it will take you a while to figure out who you are now. We think it's only us that are going through it. So we look around and no one else seems to be struggling, so we self-silence, we push it down, and we just get on with it. And that's what I did for years, through a second baby, all the way until being pregnant with my third, in Sydney by this stage, senior producer for the leading breakfast program on ABC Radio, in the middle of a federal election, 28 weeks pregnant with my third child, who was totally not planned. <laughs> but, I think, but I think the universe was trying to, uh, I didn't get the lesson the first two. Trying so to I had to get this kid. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And I was uh, pregnant with my third, literally being superwoman, everybody, and this isn't an ego-based statement, this is the truth, everybody would say to me, I don't know how you do it, Amy. And I loved that. I, mm. I thought I was nailing it. I was, I was a very prestigious role in Sydney media. I had two little girls at home. I had my own blog, ironically, about self-care for mothers, can you believe? <laughs> I... And I wasn't living it at all. And then uh, one morning during that federal election campaign when I was 28 weeks pregnant, I went into early labour and uh, was hospitalised and the contractions were coming every three minutes. This beautiful little baby boy was definitely on his way far too early. I have very small babies, so they were very worried that if he was born he would not be okay so I was pumped with steroids and all of these drugs to, to, to try and stop the labour, which they eventually did. And when they did, my hospital room was filled with all of these experts telling me that it was my lifestyle that was causing my baby to be at risk and that I couldn't work anymore. Wow. And I have to say, Helen, I really struggled with that. So much of my identity was still attached to my work. It was still trying to, I, I, I was so convinced that I had to prove I, who I used to be, that I hadn't changed, that motherhood hadn't slowed me down, that I could still be this foreign correspondent. I could still be all these things that I had decided when I was in my teenage years of who I was going to be, that I really hadn't seen the life that I was living through these eyes. And it was the biggest wake-up call of my life. I spent 10 weeks sitting on a couch. If I walked up the road to go to the shops, the contractions would start. And daily progesterone, uh, just all the things to try and get this little boy as close to his due date as possible. And uh, it changed my life. I sat on the couch for 10 weeks and asked myself, why am I not okay with just being a mum? Why am I not okay with letting go of this dream of who I used to be? Why am I struggling with being enough? And this led me on a path of 
oh my goodness, the most winding path that has led me to coach and support over 4,000 mamas online asking the same questions. Why is this not working for me? Why am I making myself sick? Why am I angry? Why am I burnt out? Why don't I love motherhood? Why don't I love my job anymore? But it wasn't until uh, nearly two years ago now that I finally heard the word matrescence and every single thing that I'd been through over the last 12 years finally made sense. It's like I was on a path trying to find the answer and I found clues along the way. There was my superwoman addiction. There was the patriarchal society telling me I needed to be a masculine success. There was my struggles with being enough. There was clues along the way of what had happened to me. But it was only when I finally heard this word matrescence that I cried and cried and realised that that's what had happened. I'd been through this massive transition and because I didn't know what it was, I just went back to trying to prove that I was worthy. And since discovering this word, it, it, it's just changed everything. Wow, Amy, I'm on the edge of my seat. What a story, seriously. I can just, <laughs> every, every fibre of my soul and every cell of my soul is just, oh, I can just so feel I can so feel it. And the story that you're telling is a story that I've heard so many times from so many friends. Um, and, and, and also something I've experienced myself as well, you know, from becoming a mother, it's like everything changes and it's like, you don't want to go back to, um, you don't want to go back to that. I didn't want to go back to that corporate world. I wasn't, it wasn't as resonating and, and hitting those childhood dreams that I've had as much as yours, yours was for you. Um, but actually just the practicalities of having success in a masculine way in the patriarchal workforce, it's, it was just so impractical. Like, you know, we didn't have family around. So, you know, by the time I'd paid for parking and daycare and all of the other things that I needed to actually allow me to go to work for the reduced hours that I wanted to, it was actually not viable for me to do it with all of the, you know, it's just there's so many... There's so many um, things involved with that. And I know you talked a little bit about how your social um, socio and economic status changes as well with motherhood. But what I love about what you've done, and I want you to go on to tell us a little bit more about this, is, you know, I'm one of those women as well. And even my mum growing up, um, you know, she had me in the 70s. And she, she, had a, she had a good career for a woman in the 70s. It was very much glass ceiling. She was only allowed to climb so far up the ladder because she was a woman, but she did really well in her um, career as a lawyer. Um, but when she had me, after you know, two years, she was like, I want to go back to work full time because you know, motherhood, um, it's not enough for me. And I remember sort of thinking at that time, oh, you know, that's not very nice. Um, <laughs> that's not very nice. Why don't you want to just stay home? And, you know, the, the generation before that, so I remember my, when I got into university, my grandma saying to me, why do you want to go to university? Why don't you want to just stay home and have some bands, which is a Northeastern expression for kids? Like that was all there was before women, you know, actually, you know, when there's such a transitional generation, but what I'm trying to get to the point, there's so much I want to talk about, but 
the point I'm trying to make here, Amy, is we're in this position now as women where we can redefine success in a feminine way. So we can take all the skills we've learned from our previous careers and fit them around our new identity as a mother. And we can write books, we can you know, help over 4,000 women online and in person with our courses and books. And um, we can change the world in a, in, in, in a redefined way. Can we talk yes. a little bit more about that? Because that's oh. where it's at. Oh, yes. And stop me from talking about it because I will go on and on and on. <laughs> I, I think, Helen, that this is at the core of what matrescence is really going to do. It's going to allow us as a culture and a society to look at a mother and see her completely differently, to see her now as this really powerful woman instead of seeing it as a step backwards or a time of not being able to achieve so much to instead acknowledge that actually what happens to our brain after we become a mother is that we go from being uh, self-focused to community focused the research is a hundred percent backed this up that there is an actual change in the way our brain uh, is functioning and we go from Uh, this very self-centered point of view to this community and greater point of view. And so that's why I say to mamas all the time, that's why you're now crying when you see the bushfires at the start of 2020. Not because you now have baby brain or you're super emotional or you're just a bit sensitive because it's that time of the month and all of these ridiculous things we've told women over the years about their sensitivities being a weakness. No, you are feeling that watching the news because your brain has now been completely rewired to think about your community as a place of future for your children. And that will empower you. You will become a warrior. You will fight for what's important. So one of my pet hates, Helen, is when a woman returns from maternity leave, it's as if she's just been on a holiday and they say to her, They say to her, oh, welcome back. How was it? Good to see you. Here's your desk. Here's your login. Not much else has changed. We'll see you in the meeting at 10 o'clock. And they walk away. And they don't acknowledge that that woman in front of them. Can I just add to that, Amy? Because I have seen that happen time and time again in my corporate career of women taking quite short maternity leaves and they come back and it's like, here's your password, here's your login, there's your desk, see you in the 10 o'clock meeting. Oh, by the way, you've uh, got, you've got your figure back. You're well done. You've lost your weight. So well done. As if like, that's all that's important. Like that's it. That's right. That's it. And they're not only, they're not only not acknowledging what she's just been through and probably is still going through highly likely she's still not getting any sleep, but they're not acknowledging that she is not the same woman that she was six weeks ago, six months ago, 12 months ago. She probably doesn't want to have the same job or she probably has very different skills that you're not asking her about and that you are just assuming that the same woman has just walked back through the door. And this is why so many women run into what they call the maternal wall. When I heard this, I was like, 
all the snot tears. <laughs> because, <laughs> ugly crying. <laughs> <laughs> ugly crying. Because I realised that what had happened to me was that I had run into the maternal wall. I couldn't do this anymore. They, what my job required of me to be the senior producer for an ABC radio program of the size of it was in Sydney, I couldn't do that and be a mum to three. I literally couldn't do it. My physical body shut down, nearly you know, pushed my baby out too early. I was so stressed. Every night I would get so angry if my kids weren't asleep by 7.05 because I had to get up at 3.30 in the morning. So if they weren't asleep, I needed to be, like I would be wired the next day. It is impossible for us to juggle the demands of these types of jobs and be the mama that we need to be and that we have to be. But for many years after I left that job that I dreamed of since I was little, I thought I'd failed. I honestly thought I couldn't keep up. Something had happened. My body couldn't keep up. I didn't do it. I had to step away. I couldn't be that and everything I needed to be. And when I heard about the maternal wall and more women will run into the maternal wall before they hit the glass ceiling, in other words, it is the struggle of balancing motherhood and the demands of a, of a job that will make them step away way before they run out of opportunities. When I heard that, it completely changed the way I view, viewed what had happened. I realised that it wasn't my fault. It wasn't that my body let me down. It wasn't that I was broken or a failure. It was that I couldn't do it. The, the system is rigged. There's no way that you can do a job like that and be a good mum. It's just impossible. So what I think all of this is asking us to do is to finally look at what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother in a completely new way. And as you said, redefine success, redefine what she can do and acknowledge that she has this amazing, powerful new way of looking at the world. And if you engage her in this, and if you allow her flexibility and you allow her to acknowledge the changes she's been through, she will change the world. This is what we need to see. Oh, it's so, so inspiring and so, so full of hope. And I can relate to absolutely everything you're saying, you know, just thinking, um, you know, and how even now, you know, so my eldest is 12. So we, we got on the motherhood <laughs> train exactly the same time um and we've got a lot of other things in common as well but I know that we you know my husband and I used to watch all sorts of you know shows shows like hospital shows and you know um I think one of the one was like a cop show you know where it's like murder and all like the the evils of the world and I remember like watching one of those shows one day and the start of it was a baby had been like put in a bag on a doorstep somewhere and I was like turn it off turn it off turn it off yes. I can't watch it I can't watch it anymore and and that was put down to you know but that was put down to oh you're a bit sensitive you're a bit sensitive now you've had a baby and like to this day we can only watch home renovation programs and cooking shows and sport <laughs> because they're I'm not the same. <laughs> because they're not offensive and my husband waits till I go to bed so we can watch things like you know, Vikings and stuff like that. Because oh my gosh. 
I'm the same, Helen. And also, can you imagine it makes sense working now. in the matrescence. media? Matrescence. That's what happened to me. Yes. It was matrescence. <laughs> yeah, That's working right. in the media. Can you you're, like you're not, you're not seeing this stuff, you know, fiction on TV. You are seeing this happen in real life. And it's so hard. Like I've, I have to physically, I, I sometimes feel like I have an umbilical cord that like I have to, it goes out into people, into the community and I worry about them and I want to like kind of take them under my wing and look after them. And I have to really wind in my maternal, my, you know, my maternal feelings and kind of tuck them away because you just suddenly do get this sense of, community it is a community focus it's not just about you and your career and it is it is so 100% rigged like I worked as a recruiter for a big um, recruitment firm and women who'd been you know financial directors would come in after you know seven years out of the workforce raising children and it was seen as a huge weakness it was a step back in their career and they'd come to me and they'd be trying to find you know $25 an hour account support roles because nobody took them seriously anymore. I mean, it was, it was, it's that fucked. Um, Sorry. That, that, <laughs> try not to swear on it, but it's so fucked. Like it really is. And, and you know, like the, I obviously hit the maternal wall and I did see it as a sense of failure. You know, I, I left my job, even though I had no idea how we were going to survive as a family because I was the main earner, but I just knew I had to do it. And, and instead of just going, I wish I'd known. Oh, look, I've hit the maternal wall. This isn't working out for me. I've gone through matrescence. Then there's something better for me out there, which there was. You know, here we go, you know, 12 years later. Wow, I'm living my best life. I've created my own business that's on my terms, that's, that's got community focus and it's helping other people and other women, you know, who are looking for that different way to work as well, which is so exciting. But if I hadn't hit that maternal wall and had the balls to go and do it, then I imagine I'd probably be in a complete health crisis, disconnected from my kids and just generally fucked off with life in general. Wow. Oh, I cannot agree with you more. And I have to admit that in the last two years of me really dedicating myself to, to studying with Dr. Athen at Columbia University and, and literally going into libraries and going down feminist literature rabbit holes of the, the definitions that we've put on ourselves and the, and the cultural definitions we've accepted as our truth of what it means to be a good mother and a successful woman and all of that, Helen, I have found myself really angry, then fluctuating with being really devastated, like crying yeah. about the, the stuff I've, the, the things I've put myself through, trying to prove that I was still good enough, even though I was now a mum. Like it actually still catches in my throat when I say that because not only have I been through this, but I have now heard thousands of other mummers who feel the same. And this is what is so powerful and now why I actually call myself a matrescence activist because I feel like I'm out there on the picket line saying we need to change. <laughs> we need to change <laughs> because I realize now it, it, this isn't just my story. This is obviously your story, but this is, this is pretty much all of our story. And what happens when you don't have, as you said, the balls to make the decision or the support, the family support, the finances, the, the belief in yourself to say, 
okay, it didn't work for me. I'll start my own business or I'm going to try something different or I'm going to be okay staying at home for a while. What we do is exactly what you said. We turn into superwomen and we think that that's what we have to do. We try and prove ourselves day in, day out. We disconnect from our intuition. We ignore our bodies. We get sick and we just push on anyway. We are obsessed with making sure that we reach the targets that someone has said that we need to meet. We miss out on our kids. We really get ourselves into a place of being so disconnected from who we really are as women and mothers. And it's, it's a pandemic. I know that's a really strong word at the moment, but it is. We are stressed out, sick mothers trying to win in a system that doesn't work. So when I stand on my soapbox about matrescence, yes, it's about honouring what happens to you in the birth room and in that first trimester after birth and in that first year of motherhood, making sure you have the right support and you don't judge yourself. But this is also about honouring the next five, seven years of motherhood, 10 years of motherhood, of saying you are going to keep changing. The research is not even clear around when matrescence ends. Some say it doesn't, that we will always continue to evolve as a woman and a mother, as our kids evolve. When we hit the teenage years, we're going to need to evolve again and perhaps surrender different parts of our life to being there for them. This is a constant process that we will be going through forevermore now, but we cannot have the answer that we just go back into this masculine patriarchal society where we try and prove to everybody that we're still productive. That is not going to work anymore. Oh, yes. Wow. So, so, so far we, we've unpacked matrescence, you know, and learned a new word probably for most of us, like, and certainly for me, although everything you're saying, it all makes sense. Like we can all feel mm. it, you know, and I know even listeners that, don't have children will completely relate, you know, through perhaps, you know, seeing their sisters or their friends or just society in general, because it is all geared up. We have to just, it's a fact, it's all geared up (laughs) for men and men don't give birth. And that's, you know, it's not about being a feminist or a man hater. It's just the way that the system is currently. I do feel very confident that things are shifting and I do believe that women uh, and and our children Uh, I think women will change the world and I think uh, this generation of children will save the world. Whereas before um, the system has been very much around taking, you know, from the earth for profit. It's not been about the greater good. Whereas everyone that I see in the, everyone that I see that in, uh, in the, in the, the, in the woman's business space, it's all about, making a better place to live, making a better community. And it's always good for the planet, which is just so, it makes me just get all the tingles. So we've, we've, we've acknowledged that there's there's this thing as matrescence. And I, I feel, I don't know, but I feel that matrescence is something that you say keeps evolving. I don't think, I think my, my journey gets stronger and stronger and it does, you're almost like pointed um, in the next lesson of your uh, evolution is mapped out by what your kids going through and what that takes mm-hmm. you through and the certain parts of yourself that need to surrender to to help them I mean it's just oh it's so fascinating so it, I think the, the main thing we've pointed out here in this episode so far is that 
it's a thing. So hopefully everybody's feeling some kind of sense of uh, connection to that and some kind of resonance and some kind of relief. The next step would be how can we use this knowledge and, and everything, not just from like how we feel, but as you say, also like the actual physical, neurological, community, socioeconomic changes that happen during matrescence. What can we do as women to then go, right, it's a thing. It's not just me going crazy with baby brain, being overly sensitive. It's actually my, you know, my soul talking to me. It's my intuition. And, you know, I've hit the maternal wall. What do I do now? Yes. The first thing is to talk about it is to gather women around you as best you can and do what you would know, Helen, that we always did in back in the day, which is sit in circle with each other and talk to the elders and get this understanding that you are actually shedding parts of yourself that you need to be free of. I heard this beautiful description lately, and I think you're going to love this because of your focus on all of these primal ways of being that we've lost over these years, that if we deny any transition of a woman, the natural transitions we go through in life, then she will not be able to get to the elder's stage. She will not be the wise elder. She will not be able to be in this space of holding space for the younger generation and handing down the wisdom and then that cycle of wisdom is lost. And so this is what I feel like we're coming back to through, as you said, the conversations around women starting businesses, focusing on community and understanding that we can't keep treating the planet for for just productivity and profit. We need to allow her to replenish and rest. This is the same for you as a mama and a woman you need to see that you can't keep just pushing yourself. You need to replenish and rest. You need to come into a group of women where you feel like you can talk about this and talk about the transformation you're going through. You need to be exceptionally kind to yourself and surround yourself with the understandings like this podcast of what we're meant to be doing here. I think it's an ancient knowledge that we've lost that is actually not very complicated it is not really um, difficult it's just we're coming back to it so the most healing I've ever seen in any mama over the last six seven years of me sharing these types of things as I said with thousands of women is this honoring of the feminine within them It's coming back to this realisation that you are not this masculine energy which is about outward success, that you have this beautiful rhythm within you, intuition, that you need time and space to rest before you rise. You need to honour transitions differently, that you need to listen to your gut that you can be emotional and vulnerable and all of those things because that is one of your superpowers. So I feel the the answer to all of this first starts with women gathering together. I, I don't think we're meant to be in our homes doing this on our own anymore. I know that we're not meant to be. That's when we self-silence. 
we can break the self-silencing of women around the world if we have conversations like you and I are right now and then the mamas that are listening to this share this with their mama friends and we start talking about this. We, we start saying, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's how we have to do it, isn't it? Yeah, just wonderful. It's so perfect. And I love how, you know, your childhood dream of wanting to change the world through storytelling is actually, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's manifested in a different way that's more aligned with, with who you are now, now that you're in matrescence or going through matrescence. Oh, isn't it beautiful? Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. But I, for everyone listening, this is what I think the gift of matrescence does. It actually realigns you to doing what you were meant to be doing here. But this time you're going to do it in a really beautiful feminine way. You're not going to climb that corporate ladder and burn yourself out and make yourself sick to prove that you're worthy. You're going to find worthiness within you. You're going to find worthiness in motherhood. You're going to realize that actually one of the greatest gifts of all is to be the caretaker, the space holder of these beautiful next generation souls. And when you get okay with that, There was a beautiful interview I did with one of my mentors a few years ago that I think you'll love, Helen, and she said to me, this is a woman who was a New York Times bestselling author. She was in the last moments of of getting a TV deal for her own talk show. This was when Oprah and Donahue and Sally, Jesse, Raphael, and it's all in the 80s. This is when talk shows were like the number one definition of success. Mm -hmm. She was wildly successful in the outside world. She was, as I said, about to sign this TV deal. And then she gave birth to her daughter. And her agent rang her when she was still in the hospital with her one, two-day-old daughter and said, right, we need you in Singapore in a few weeks because that TV deal is going to be happening and we got this and we've got that. And she said, I'm so sorry, you're going to have to call me back in 18 years. No. <laughs> she caught on to the quite quickly. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. That's it. Because she said she looked at this child and thought, there's no way. There's no way. But I said to her, she can't tell me over. And she did. She didn't do anything in that space for 20 years. And she's now back sharing, teaching, traveling the world, writing books, all of it. And I said to her, surely there were times in those 20 years where you saw your colleagues just going from strength to strength and becoming billionaires and household names. Like, come on, you can't have just stepped back from that and surrendered to motherhood. And she said, oh my goodness, do you know how many times I'd turn on the TV and there was someone I taught at one of my workshops who was now on Oprah and I didn't and I doubted whether I'd made the right decision. She said it happened to me so many times over those 20 years. But now I'm back, Amy, and it's all there waiting for me. So your biggest uh, thing to remember in this time of motherhood is your dharma will wait for you. I saw that episode on your website and I thought, oh, I'm going to listen to that because it's really interesting because I'm currently doing Marie Folio's B-School and one of the lessons that she teaches in there is that what is right for your soul will not pass you by. You know, if, if it's That's meant, it. if, you know, so I think we've got this, um, this feeling. This is a beautiful message because so far, Amy, you and I have focused on, you know, women who want to 
align motherhood with their passion and, and, and starting a business and, and still being, you know, um, contributing to the, the household income and all that kind of thing. But I know there's a lot of women out there who, for them, motherhood is enough, but they feel like, exactly. oh, I feel like I should be, you know, out there doing, doing other things um, to, to, to add to their, I guess, self-worth, self-value, enoughness. Whereas really, you know, there is life after children. I mean, it really is only an 18 to 20 year window of intensity. Obviously you're always a mom and, you know, I'm 45 this year and I'm still like so connected to my mom and she has to do lots of motherly things for me still. Um, but you know, I don't live with her that she can go off and, and have holidays and teach yoga and do whatever she wants to do, you know? So I think that's a really nice message for women out there who are like, well, you know what, I'm really just happy just being a mom because, um, you know, I guess Instagram, social media puts a lot of pressure on us to be all the things. And, and like you said, the superwoman badge um, can be, yeah, I'm really making it. But if, and that can be fine because we're all so different for some people, that might be great. But if on the, in, I always think if we go back to the basics, you know, like, are we sleeping well? Are we pooing? Do we feel good? Mm-hmm. Are, we, are we generally in that, you know, life is good, I'm having fun time vibe? Because that should be our, you know, that's a, that's a really good marker, I think, of whether things are working out for us or not. And when you start to get sleepless nights and you start to get constipated and you start to yell at your kids because they're not asleep at 7.05, let's face it, we've all been there. I really just think it's a case of, you know, um, our needs not being met and our boundaries being crossed. And then to take a step back and go, right, you know, what needs to change in my life now with because I'm changing and I'm evolving and parts of the old me are melting away and being added with new parts. It's a very, it's a really exciting concept. And I love, I only heard about the word doula in, you know, in the last 10 years as well. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I love the concept of doula and matrescence is like the next step. It's like, I don't need to talk about doulas anymore. I don't want to have any more babies. Thanks very much. Happy with these two. But matrescence is like, yes, that's the thing. That's what happened to me. And that's what's continually happening to me. And that's why I start to like cry like at certain things in the world yes. that just seem like such an injustice. And everyone else is looking at you around the table like you're crazy. And your teenage kids like going, mom, stop crying. What's wrong with you? And you're like, <laughs> it's coming from somewhere. That's part of what we have to change, isn't it? That a woman's emotions is, is weakness. It is not. Yeah. It is her goddamn superpower. Yes. We need more people to be caring. We need more people. We need our leaders to be emotional about what's happening to this planet. We need this. This is a... Uh, a re oh, how do I say this it's, it's almost like a correction of where we have gone wrong on so many levels and I honestly believe as that story about uh, Deborah Poneman with the, who was the New York Times best-selling author and the way that you pointed out that I am storytelling to make a difference we come back to what we were always meant to do on a soul level but we come to it so profoundly changed that it becomes easy. Yeah. Like this, this work now, this is not work. I could do this 24-7 if I, want to, if I had that space, but it, it's not pushing. 
it's not striving, I'm not making myself sick, I'm not doing any of that anymore. And this is what I think we can show as women to each other but also the next generation, that you can be a really divinely balanced, healthy mother, woman, change maker, whatever you want, define it for yourself. But don't burn yourself up trying to keep up with a system that's completely broken. Oh, perfectly said, perfectly said. And I I, I love the um, concept of bringing people together and bringing women together in women's circles. And even just the advent of Facebook, I mean, let's face it, we feel like it's been around all the time, but it's it's new in the last sort of um, about 15 years, I think, even less than that. But just the Facebook mm. groups and just bring, have it, even though we might not be able to gather in actual circle, um, you know, in real life, we can still connect through online forums now and share and, and talk open and honestly without judgment, without somebody wanting oh. to fix us. And I think that that's how we learn. You know, when somebody's telling a story like you've told today, Amy, it's so easy to take it in. It's not forced learning. It's not like sitting down, you know, in a classroom and learning it. It's, it comes in naturally because that's how, you know, that's how it's always, it's, it's always been. And that's how wisdom has been passed down from generation to generation. So I love what you're doing with your online courses. So in your online training programs, you can teach other people about matrescence. And I know that's something that your, your course, Mama Rising, is launching at the end of April. Can you tell us more about that and what that involves? Yes, as soon as I started sharing matrescence, I had women reaching out to me saying, how can I learn about this? I want to do this in my community. I want to do this in my yoga studio. I need to bring this to my clients and my kinesiology clinic, all of that. And to be honest, I had massive imposter syndrome at the start, Helen. Who am I to share this? (laughs) Uh, But um, again, my amazing teacher at Columbia University helped me see that actually I had been doing data research and collection for the last six years. I've had more than 4,000 women go through my online programs and a lot of them have had amazing healing, as you said, in Facebook groups. That is where they've found their tribe. That is where they finally feel safe to speak about how they feel since they've become a mother and that coupled with the research I've done with Columbia we've now created this Mama Rising program which at the core of it is for you to be able to share matrescence with women in your life and I have had women do that program who have zero interest in creating a business they never want to do anything like that but what they do want is to create a monthly women's circle in their lounge room or in their local community hall that talks about these transitions of womanhood. So in this program, it is everything that I have understood from the last 10 years of being dedicated to understanding what happened to me. It brings in the research I've done with Columbia. It brings in the absolute knowing of what happens to a woman through speaking to thousands of mamas themselves. And it shares what I have used over the last six years in my online programs to, I don't want to say teach because we're past that stage. We, we don't need teachers anymore. We just need elders. We need circles. 
we need self-actualization. The day of the guru has passed. You know, we, this is not about you becoming the, the guru to teach others. This is just about gathering women to share. And I share how I've done that. So if you're interested in gathering women together in whatever way that is, then you learn how to do that in Mama Rising. And it, it feels like it's the culmination of everything that I have learned in the last 12 years. It's a really, really beautiful thing to be able to give that back. Yeah, it sounds amazing, absolutely incredible. And I'm sure a lot of people will want to um, get involved with Mama Rising. So what's the best place to go to to find out about that course and the other courses that you do? And I know you've got a podcast and books. What's the best spot to find <laughs> out everything, Amy? Yes, it's just my website, amytaylorkabaz.com. My podcast is The Happy Mama Movement, um, but all of it is on my website. And, yes, I, I have programs for mamas to work through themselves and their own understanding of matrescence and then mama rising really is of course you learn so much about yourself in that but you then can share it with others and look my goal my ultimate goal one day helen is for mamas anywhere in the world to be able to jump on my website and type in where they are in the world and then they can find a matrescence circle or a women's circle or an I don't know, traditional ritual, new moon, full moon, whatever you want in your area. I, I would love to cultivate women coming together to talk about what happens to us in these years of motherhood in a really different way. So that's my ultimate goal with this. I love that goal. I absolutely adore it. Um, I think it's incredible mm. what you're doing. I love your work. And I'm so proud of what you, I just feel so proud mm. of you, like from one woman to another of, you know, oh. how, you, how you've taken everything that you had, like in that masculine success world and through matrescence, you've um, taken all of those skills. You haven't let go of any of them. Um, and you've come a, become an even better version of you based on your values oh. and how you want your life to look, which is incredibly inspiring. And I'm just cheerleading you on and rah, in the corner for oh you. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. I will take that and breathe that in. Thank you very much. And, Helen, this is what we do. This is why I freaking love gathering women together because we rise each other up. Yes. So beautifully when we are allowed to when we're told we don't have to compete that it's not a scarce scarcity world that there's not you know this ladder we have to climb we really do rise each other up it is so profound it's amazing it is amazing now i couldn't let you go without asking my default question <laughs> And I think this is actually, you know, when I was thinking, I was thinking this conversation is too deep and meaningful to ask that question. But actually I do, then I rethought that and I thought, no, it's actually really good because when we're in that superwoman phase where we're trying to do all, you know, like that self-silencing, it's really easy to do a lot of self-silencing with coffee, wine and chocolate. So I'd love to know what Amy's personal take is on those three kind of gray area foods uh i'm a yes to all of them i have to say i'm not much of a chocolate girl not because of any issues around weight or body or sugar it's just it's i, I like a little bit but i am more of a salt girl so if i'm having a day where i feel like i need something i will go for the salty chips 
rather than the chocolate. But I start every morning with a coffee. I get my coffee and then I do my meditation. I am not so guru-like that I avoid coffee. And uh, wine is an absolute part of my wind-down process sometimes. So now, look, again, I think we're told we need to follow certain rules to look a certain way and I'm done with that. I really, really am done with that. I uh, am incredibly grateful for this body. She has struggled at times and still does with this thyroid disease that I have. So I honour her completely as much as I can each day. But I also know that uh, pleasure is a really important part of the feminine, enjoying things in life uh, consciously and really being present with a beautiful glass of wine or a divine cup of coffee first thing in the morning or the most decadent, rich block of chocolate is one of life's pleasures. And I think as women, we should, be, we should free ourselves of the shame of enjoying things in life. Yes. High five. Hey, your sister. That is exactly my philosophy on those things as well. And, you know, I look to my mom, who's a beautiful role model for me, and she's all like all through all of the crazy different diet fads that we've had over the years. She's always just stuck to what feels best for her and always had a beautiful sweet treat every day. And, and it's always been, you know, we sit down, we smell it, we taste it, we enjoy mm, Oh, that's beautiful and they you know they and my dad's the same and they'll, they'll go on a little holiday somewhere and then they'll sit down and they'll review where the, they had the best chocolate brownies because it's such an mm. important part of life you know and I just I love that because it's so true it's so much pleasure so much pleasure in taking looking forward to the ritual of the coffee or the wine and then enjoyed consciously the best version of it that you can have and enjoyed without any guilt or remorse or jumping on the scales afterwards. I mean, all of that shit, like you say, let's leave all of that shiz behind and move on to a new empowered feminine experience. Yes. Amen to that. How divine. Absolutely. So before we wrap up, Amy, is there any closing words that you'd like to leave our audience with today? I think the most empowering thing about understanding matrescence is starting to see yourself as this divine, complicated in the most beautiful way, changing, evolving woman. And that when you really honour that, you find this power within you that is quite magnetic. Everything begins to change when you start owning, no, no, this is who I am now. And yes, that's changed and this feels different and that's okay. When you own that, You can see in a woman when she owns that about herself. And matrescence is asking you to become her. Matrescence is changing you for a reason. So you're not hanging on to those old beliefs of not being good enough and needing to prove yourself. It's an invitation to evolve that we really need to start bringing back. Perfect. Thank you, Amy, so much. This has been one of the most profound podcast episodes I've ever recorded. And I really hope that it is making everybody else tingle and resonate as much as it has for me. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been a delight to talk to you. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.